long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Fuck Lando Calrissian. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is the episode for November 25th, 2010. Welcome to Star Wars Monthly Mondays, number 25, if you can believe that. I am Scott Gardner, and joining me is my bestest pal in the whole universe, Chris Honeywell. Hello. <laughs> what, you got a cold or something? You no, sound I, funny. Just, <laughs> I just thought I'd uh, be extra creepy this... That hey. was extra creepy. Hello. <laughs> ooh, that sounds... Ooh, that gives me... Ugh, yeah. I don't like that voice. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just don't. Ah, uh, so number twenty-five, man. We're, yeah. we're cranking right along on this thing. Sweet, sweet. So we got, oh, man, we got a ton of stuff for this episode. We got. Uh, let me think. What do we got? We got comics. We got comics plural this time. We've got yep. uh, some books, and we've got an episode of the Clone Wars with uh, our, our special Clone Wars correspondent, Todd Grady, will be joining us a little bit later in the show. So we got tons of Star Wars for you this month, so uh, should keep you little bastards pretty yeah. happy. It's just like you'll be like little camels coming up to the Oasis every month. <laughs> just fill your hump up with Star Wars and... <laughs> It'll hold you till next till December. That should be a T-shirt. Fill your hump up with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, well, real quick before we uh, get into our first thing here, I just wanted to d- direct people go to uh, Facebook. If you haven't friended me on Facebook, um, I don't think I've ever turned away a single friend request. So go ahead, friend me on Facebook if you like. And uh, take a, a look at some of the pictures that I posted recently. Um, I spent a little bit of time at Downtown Disney recently uh, in the Orlando area. I took a ton of pictures. And one of the things that I focused on was there's a great little shop there. I can't ever remember the name of the place. I want to say it's D Street, but I'm not sure that that's right. But anyway, there's a really nice little shop there that I like because they always have Marvel merchandise 
Tron merchandise lately, and then they always have some really awesome Star Wars t-shirts that I never see anywhere else. Yeah. So the last time I was there, I took a bunch of pictures of all the, the cool new Star Wars shirts that they had, and some of them are really, really neat. They're crazy expensive, but they're really, really neat, so... Anyway, if you're curious about what kind of awesome Star Wars swag there is at Downtown Disney, you know, go take a, a peek at those pictures. That's what I was going to comment on. Is what I liked especially was the the Star Wars T-shirts were snazzy, yeah, classy. They were very classy Star Wars T-shirts and ver- you know very high quality. I just, um, what are those things? Are they running like twenty five, thirty bucks, something like that? trying to remember they they were expensive and yeah. i'm trying to remember just how expensive they were they 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 were at least 20 bucks but i want to say they were more like 25 and 30 yeah. but i forget but they yeah they were pretty expensive but you know just for the rarity you know it's, it's not right. going to be one of those ones where you're going to buy it and then you're going to see you know if you go anywhere where there's other geeks you're going to see like five other people wearing the same t-shirt more than likely you'll never see another person wearing these t-shirts because like i said i've never seen these t-shirts anywhere else yep me neither and i had the one seen some I, of the artwork on them yeah anywhere else which was pretty cool yeah the the one i think i liked the very best was uh the one with the multicolored stormtroopers it was just basically it was like a pencil outline of stormtroopers and they were pointing their their blasters at and they're at, kind of in neon the, disco colors. Yeah, and it really strongly reminded me of that cover toward the end of the Marvel Star Wars run. There was a cover that had um, a bunch of stormtroopers and a bunch of Nagai on the cover, and it was by Cynthia Martin. And when I saw that T-shirt, I I thought that was her art. And then since I've gotten home and, and looked at the two images side by side i no longer think it is her but it's still reminiscent enough that it you know it, it reminds me of that and it's real. it's just a really cool looking t-shirt yeah it was but it was, yeah, very, got, it was retro and modern at the same time yeah yeah i mean they've got some nice they've got you know they've got ones that are just you know reproductions of posters and then they've got others that are you know just you know, different designs and different pictures, but well, they've got some really nice ones there. I have to say, some of the graphic design work, and and I know that there's all different places that get the license to do t-shirts and stuff, but a lot of the stuff that seems to actually even come out of Lucasfilm, like the graphic design work on it is very Photoshop-looking right. and kind of cheesy, you know? Right. Like, like the way they design the CD or the DVD covers now... It, it yeah. just has that cheesy Photoshop look. And these t-shirts do not have that at all. They are beautifully designed and classy. They're, they're mm-hmm. awesome. They're yeah, like I originally really remember Star Wars shirts being. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to start scarfing me up some of those. Because it, it, I'm, I'm about due to start updating my wardrobe. I... I you know, I love me my geek t-shirts, but it seems like I wear the same three or four like all the time. So it's time to add to my geek wardrobe. I got a new geek. I got. A, I, I very rarely buy brand new clothes at all, but I got a brand new t-shirt. But I'll have to talk about that in our next in our Star Trek episode. Oh, cool! But, oh, that's right. I've seen that. Yes, yeah, I, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. We will. We'll talk about that in the Star Trek episode because I like that t-shirt. But uh. You and I just read some brand spanking new comics today. Yeah. And, uh, 
And I got to tell you, I'm excited about this series. And you know, well, it's funny because usually it seems with the newer Star Wars comics, like there'll be some that I'll pick up, but you don't, and and read, but you don't read, and and like the stuff that you pick up, I usually haven't got a hold of. But this is like, yeah, one of those rare times where we both read a new Star Wars comic. Yeah, what I got was um, the second issue is out for Star Wars Blood Ties. And actually, by the time you're listening to this episode, I expect the third issue will either be out or coming out shortly. But uh, yeah, I picked this up a couple of days ago when I I stopped at my LCS at uh, Acme Superstore in in Longwood, Florida. Great little shop. Isn't it nice to say you have an LCS now? It is nice to be able to say. It really is, especially when it's an awesome one that treats you well. So yes, I'm happy to plug them. And... uh, I went in there the other day and uh, and picked this up. They uh, they had to get it in for me special because I had forgotten to put it on my list. But those guys are so awesome. They just they ordered it. So the next time I went in there, it was there waiting for me. Picked it up and I made time to sit and read it today before the show. And holy shit, was it awesome! God, th- this story is just getting better and better because you know I really liked the first issue a lot because mostly because the art is just beautiful in it. But I had a couple quibbles with it. The the big one being that the the big surprise cliffhanger reveal at the end of issue one, I felt was like telegraphed a mile yeah. away. But the payoff in the very next issue was totally awesome. And I'm not sure how far we want to go into. Uh, yeah, it's to new all enough this. where I wouldn't want to spoil anything on it, you know, because. But. Uh, Let's just say that the the they they um I expected it to be a sort of um yeah I'll just say it fluffy story you know because especially when you see beautiful artwork like that mm-hmm. you usually can't make it too long you know what I mean because there's so much work that goes into that intensive painted art so I expected just sort of a fluffy story with a nice little you know that would shade in a nice little thing but it 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 takes you to that point where you think it's going and then it keeps giving it little wrinkles after that that start making you know more sense and 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 playing into the whole bloodlines theme you know deeper and and to a level that you weren't expecting it so i like that a lot about it I liked this issue because it it went back and forth between Django and then the adult Boba. Yeah. So it, it almost felt like a like one of the old style like Brave and the Bold team up issues where they might not actually team up, but it was still sort of like a crossover type of right. thing. And I, I really like that because the story continues from one to the other. What I did was I. I wanted to to not spoil this, but at the same rate, I really want people to check this out. So I wrote up a little teaser type of thing that that I don't think is terribly spoilerific, just to try to entice people to to maybe want to check this uh, out. Okay. And so what I wrote up for this issue was just simply uh, the plot thickens as Django confronts a rogue clone of himself, and it turns out that the man has an infant son, and, uh, and this really throws Django fat. So years later, um, a grown Boba Fett accepts a bounty mission, and the target turns out to be, who else, but the clone son. So basically, Boba is sent to go after this guy who is the son of one of Django's clones. 
So I just I like that concept. Well, he's I like genetically a, his half brother. Yeah, or or even his son because he's a clone. Right, right. Of Django too. So it is. It's a weird like father son half brother type of thing. It's weird. It's like something from Alabama, you know? It's a father-son <laughs> thing, but somehow improbably the father's older than the son, or younger than the son. Or, yeah, yeah, just slightly, yeah. Because Boba would have been, what, about nine, eight or nine when this kid was an infant. Infinks. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really a weird setup. But one other thing I wanted to throw out to the listeners was um, this book is written and I think written really well, by the way. Uh, written by uh, Tom Taylor, beautiful art on this by Chris Scalf, and uh, I'm friends with both of these guys on Facebook. You know, for whatever that's worth. Um, but you know, because I've got that contact with them now, if anybody's interested in us trying to get them on the show, you know, have them on the show to talk about you know this series or any of their other star wars or comic book works let me know because I, I would like to pursue that but i want to know if there's actually interest in that before i you know pursue that angle but uh man i'm serious you know at the very least if you see this at your lcs or whatever pick it up thumb through it because I, i'm i I'll guarantee you if nothing else the art's going to completely blow you yeah, away the art's just, beautiful yeah it is so pretty it it's is that, really it's really that nice. painted style is he the same artist in that Darth Vader, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it, it's yeah. <coughs> I love it. It's 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 gorgeous. It reminds me, and I can't remember the guy's name. It's a different artist because he has a slightly different style. But it was painted, and he used to show up in heavy metal every once in a while, and I think Epic Illustrated too. I think like, I know who you mean, but I'm not sure what I, his I'm name not is. sure of the I name. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll probably remember it like ten minutes into the next segment. <laughs> well, there, there's a couple guys that kind of draw in the same style. Kent Williams did a great Dracula book that was kind of like this a few years back. Well, actually, it's more like twenty years ago now. But um, you know, there's a few guys that used to do this sort of thing. And then Joe Jusco used to paint some comic posters that were sort of in the same style, but. I really like this because on a quick glance, you look at it and you just go, oh, this is all photo reference. But then when you actually get to pay any attention to it, you're like, no, it's no, not. not it's really, yeah. just painted so well that it looks like it's taken right from frames of something. But it's really not. It's all original and it's just beautiful. But, I mean, he nails likenesses. I mean, Well, his, you know, his, this... his captures of the young Boba's face. Yeah. The only thing about this stuff is is when stuff like this is good, like this is, it's always disappointing when you see the Boba Fett character getting shaded in and getting, you know, portrayed as being a badass. And then you see his fate in in Jedi, and it's just like, ah, come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I had the same thought as I was finishing up this issue today is, you know, at the very end of this, he's got that great... You know, very bounty hunter badass line at the end of it, where you're like, "Ooh, that's awesome!" And then you remember, oh, "Wait, he dies like a chump." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, of course, this being the EU, you know, he he, you know, he didn't really die in Return of the right. Jedi. So oh, that's true. But still, yeah, yeah, it it it, it is because you know. 
There well, was even if he didn't die in Return of the Jedi, he di- really did. He really didn't. Uh, he was drunk or something. You know, he was <laughs> way off his game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or hungover. You know, he was with a couple slave girls the night before and hitting the Tranya and just like you know had to crawl in the <laughs> next day. It didn't figure there'd be any trouble on the sail barge, which is stupid. Did they take out his scream? In the special edition, do you remember? Because I, I did. Them, I, I hope they did. That that was something that really, you know. Not only does he, you know, I could live with him dying like a chump. If he didn't do that, you know, it's like, come on, Boba Fett wouldn't cry like a girl. Come on, you know. So <laughs> that's funny though. Yeah. But what did you, what did you think of this? Because you read both issues today, right? Yeah, I really liked it. Well, I remember I talked to you about the first issue, so I sort of knew where that was going. But it was just beautifully illustrated. The creature in this one reminded me a lot of the creature in the Darth Vader one. He likes fights with big, toothy, right, rancor-like yeah. things. Yeah. But that's okay because they look cool. I, I, yeah, I really, I really liked. It. I really liked. The, the father-son, you know, however twisted it was of Django and, and Boba, you know, when he's like, hey, I'll let you drive the ship, you know, or hey, I'll let you shoot this guy, you know, or <laughs> all that, that awesome father-son, you know, some, some fathers go out and play catch with their sons, others let them, like, take a headshot at, at, some, <laughs> at some dude. You want to run over to pedestrians for a while? Here, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's cool. you can do that. Really? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> that's basically what it's like, too. It's like... <laughs> well, I hate to bring the show down, but <clears throat> great. We need to. We need to talk about. We need to talk about the death in the family that happened recently, and. Um, it really saddens me. You guys probably know by now. You've probably seen it on, you know, Facebook or, or Yahoo News or something like that. But um, we lost a, a, a voice in podcasting recently, and actually a member of the uh, Two True Freaks family, a member of the Demonzacor family. Um, you know, just just a it came as such a blow to us because she was such a legend around here and, and such a such an important part of our program especially in the formative days just always so sweet and nice to us um about a week ago as we record this um orca stay free um unexpectedly died while in heavy training for a, a deep fried big mac eating contest and so we just wanted to take a moment to uh to remember Orca. I just like to add something to this is um they found her washed up and the smell was terrible. And of all the whales I've known she was the most human.
So in memory of our uh, of our fallen colleague, our sunken uh, colleague, more our like sun- it. our sunken colleague. I'm going to bring you. And these are these are tears of sadness. A lot of people laugh when they're under stress. It's okay, Scott. We know you. I'm not laughing. (laughs) Neither am I. (laughs) Uh, Oh, so in memory of our sunken colleague, uh, we're gonna bring you a. uh, a long overdue, uh, you know, we haven't done one in quite a while now. I'm going to bring no. you a book review. And not just a book review, a trilogy. Yes, you heard me right. Three books that I'm going to talk about this time around. What this is, this is the Star Wars Coruscant Knights trilogy by Michael Reeves. Now, you guys know, because I, may, <laughs> I know I've talked about this many, many times, I am a horribly, horribly slow reader when it comes to, you know, actual prose books. And the simple fact that I read a trilogy of books, you know, since the last time that we did a a book review on this program should really, that should be testament enough to, you know, how much I really enjoyed these books, you know, just how fast I tore through them. Um, once I got started on these, I, I just couldn't put them down because what I had intended to do was, you know, read the first one, do a book review and, you know, spread the whole thing out. But I ended up enjoying that first one so much. I went right onto the second one, enjoyed that so much. I went right onto the third one. So anyway, this is, uh, this is the trilogy here. There's, there's three different books. Um, the first one is, uh, was called Jedi Twilight and, uh, it takes place just after the events of Episode 3, and it starts out with uh, Jedi Master Even Peel. Now, he was the little, like, human flesh-colored Yoda-esque Jedi Master that we see in Episode I thought episode this was 20- going to be a vampire story. <laughs> Why is that? Jedi Twilight. Oh, Jedi Twilight. <laughs> God. But you know, you, remember, you know the one I'm talking about? He was yeah. the one that kind of looked like Yoda, but he was flesh-colored, and he had the, the one bad eye, like the yeah, scarred eye. Yeah, he was eye. kind of like a ratty, flesh-colored Yoda. Yeah. Well, it starts out with him, and, uh, you know, spoiler, but, you know, in order to talk about the book, i got to spoil just a little bit, but he gets killed, and he leaves, like, a final mission for uh, this Jedi who used to be his Padawan. And it sets off this whole chain of events that finally brings um, Jedi Knight in hiding, uh, Jax Paven, face-to-face with the droid character from all of Michael Reeves' other Star Wars novels, I-5. And you you may remember I talked about I-5 a lot in some of the other books that I I reviewed that Michael Steves, or excuse me, Michael Reeves, rather, wrote. Well, it brings uh, Paven together with I-5 and... uh, his uh, Celestin partner, the uh, uh, Dender. And it's, it's really a, a fantastic book. It's a great continuation of the characters and storylines and events from all of Reeves's prior novels. Now, you know, it started with um, Darth Maul's Shadowhunter. That's where we met Lorne Paven, who is uh, Jax's father. And there was the whole setup there. That's where we first meet I-5 and all that. And that sets all of these events in motion and the, and the basic backstory. But it takes all this time for all of the story to flesh out. And, you know, the story continued in the in those couple of MedStar books, those ones that were kind of like Star Wars MASH unit type of books. Uh-huh. I remember you and liked again, those a lot, too. Yeah, they were great. They were really, really good. 
And this is kind of the culmination of all that. This is where all these threads start to come together. When uh, when I five and and uh, Jack's Paven finally meet up, and you know the the best thing I can do for this is just kind of tease you with some of the things that happen in this book. There is a fantastic lightsaber versus light whip battle between Paven and Prince Shizor, and you know anybody who's read uh, Shadows of the Empire knows who uh, Prince Shizor is. I'm pretty sure that this is his first appearance continuity wise even though he first appeared you know in in that book shadows of the empire you know if you go chronologically i'm pretty sure this is the first time we see that character that's a really cool sequence in there although i i felt a little weird about the fact that the light whip you know now chronologically makes an appearance so far before we actually see it in the marvel star wars series um i i was a little bit weird about that but it still was neat the way the battle was described and all that is actually really cool and the other big tease i'm going to use to try to get you to read this book because I, I really think if you're a star wars fan you'll dig the hell out of it just like i did they nuke darth vader and i'll just that's all i'm going to say it's really cool the the whole sequence of events and what happens in that sequence so the next one was uh, Streets of Shadows, or is it Streets or Street? It's Street, I'm sorry, Street of Shadows. This was my personal favorite. You know, like, what always happens to me with trilogies, particularly Star Wars trilogies, I always end up liking the second chapter the best, you know, and that goes for most all other trilogy movies too, like, you know, Lord of the Rings and whatever. But I really, really dug this one. Now, this is the one where Paven truly becomes a private investigator. Now, there was a description of him that was given on the back cover blurb for the first novel that says that he's a private investigator, but that doesn't really hold true. That doesn't really fit. And he doesn't really do any of that sort of thing in the first book. And the reason I say that is because I understand that that description put some fans off from wanting to read these books because they thought, you know, that was a goofy concept or whatever, this Jedi-turned-private-investigator. It does sound kind of stupid. But I think it's going to be like a Philip Marlowe novel or something, you know? Right, right. But it actually works, and it works really well because he's really... Even Private Investigator is not really an apt description what he really more is is he's he's kind of working an underground railroad type of thing where he's working with sort of like a pseudo actually more like a proto rebel alliance where they're working to smuggle out like like dissidents and in you know like uh um enemies of the empire you know people that the empire would want to exterminate or round up or whatever as the empire is starting to solidify its power base and he works with this this underground railroad basically to smuggle these people out but the cover that he's using to do that is i I guess you could call it a private investigator and this book is a murder mystery. I mean, that's one of the, the, the B plots going on in this is that, you know, there's somebody comes to him and their, their business partner's been killed and they need him to solve the crime. But that's not, to my mind, that wasn't really the A plot in this. The A plot running through all three of these books really is Darth Vader's hunt for Jack's Paven. Because we never really find out until the end, what the hell does he want him for? 
because he really wants him. But we don't know why he wants him because all the other Jedi's we see him tracking down. He's tracking them down to exterminate them. But he wants Paven alive. But we're not privy to why he wants him. So that to me was really the A plot. But anyway, uh, it's a murder mystery, so I can't really talk too much about that because I don't want to spoil any of that. But again, I'm going to tease you with a couple of things to make you want to read this book. Jax Paven versus Aura Singh. It's wicked. It's really, really awesome. And the reason I really wanted to read this book was at the end of the first book, there was a preview for the next one. It was like the first, I think, eight pages of this book. And it doesn't involve any of the regular characters. What it involves is we get inside the head of Captain Typho, who you may remember from episode two. He was um, Padme Amidala's personal bodyguard. Remember when they land, she lands her ship yeah. on the platform and the thing gets bombed? He was the one-eyed guy that was there like to protect her and stuff. Well, this all takes place post-episode three. Typho's found himself back on Naboo, and he's basically feeling sorry for himself because Padme's now dead. He feels like he failed in his one mission in life. Plus, it comes out that he was secretly in love with her and never told her. He never expressed his feelings or anything, and now it's like he's missed his opportunity to ever be with this woman that he really, really loved. So he decides... He's going to go to Coruscant. He wants to know exactly what are the circumstances that led to Padme's death, who killed her, and what can he do to avenge her death. And, of course, through the natural course of the story, that brings him into conflict with Darth Vader. And it's great because there's such buildup to that confrontation and I don't want to spoil anything, but when they finally stand face-to-face, realistically speaking, it goes exactly the way it should. And it's great. And I think, I, once again, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to like it. It's a fantastic book. Um, last one was uh, Patterns of Force. I literally just finished this today, mere hours before we sat down to record this uh, this episode. Everything comes to a very nice, neatly wrapped conclusion to this little trilogy where uh, Vader finally catches up with Paven and company. Now, I didn't think it was near as good as the first two, but it is still a really, really good book. It's got a lot of really epic Star Wars moments. Some of the battles in this book between um, Paven and some of Paven's people... And this new faction of, they're called the Inquisitors. They're, they're basically, they're minions of Vader that aren't like his, his disciples or, or um, Padawans or apprentices or anything. But they are force users that, you know, he's given, basically, he's given them the special task of going out there and putting out feelers for um, rogue Jedi and, and force users and stuff that he can either round up or kill. And some of those battles are really cool, the way they're described and everything. Um, I didn't much care for... There's a a major subplot in this book where basically I-5 
you know, is he sentient or is he not? Is he a person or is he not? And as you, you know, any listener that listens to our Star Trek episodes knows, I'm not a big fan of those kind of stories. Robots and holograms being sentient just it bores me. I think it's silly. But that said, there was one moment in this book dealing with that topic that actually was very touching and I felt that it was a moving scene and it did work just for that one instance. So did the I robot cry? No, but it was it was one of those kind of moments, you know, to where you really understood the motivations of of characters involved in this scene. And it and it, and it was one of the few instances where you know, in a robot crying type of situation that it actually did work and I didn't just roll my eyes and go, oh God, that's really stupid, you know? Um, Supposedly, there is a fourth book in the works that's going to come along in the next year or two, but I don't know if that's just a rumor or if it's still on the table or whether we'll actually see it because there have been an awful lot of Star Wars books announced and then canceled within the past couple years, so... I, I don't know if any more will come. But this this ends in a way to where I think it's a satisfying ending. And you wouldn't necessarily need another book. Um, but it would be nice to know, you know, to, to follow the adventures of certain characters, you know, and, and where they continue on and that sort of thing. But uh, I give this my absolute highest recommendation. You know, I really do recommend this as, as a complete trilogy. It's some great Star Wars reading. And, you know, like I say, as evidenced by how fast I tore through the thing, I think you'll really enjoy it. So uh, that's uh, Star Wars Coruscant Knights trilogy by uh, Michael Reeves. Check it out. It is really, really good stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's just not the same not coming out of the blowhole of... Of Orca. <laughs> blow. <laughs> he said blow hole. Star Wars. The Clone Wars. Fear is a disease. Hope is its only cure. A deadly virus is spreading on Naboo. Why in the hell does Jar Jar need to be sent to investigate? Alright, so this episode is... What the hell's the name of this one? It's number 17. The Blue Shadow Virus is the name of this one. So, uh... Yeah, what do you... what? Well, let's go to our uh, Clone Wars correspondent, Todd Grady. Welcome back, sir. How are you guys? Hey, doing fine, doing fine. How about yourself? Doing good. So let's get your thoughts on this uh, this episode here. What did you think? Uh, to put it, let's see. To wrap it up really quick, any Jar Jar is too much Jar Jar. <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, you know, I've been I've been sort of. I've been sort of championing Jar Jar in the you are a in the Jar Clone, Jar apologist in, yes. in the in the Clone Wars series, especially. I think he's worked really well. Not so much so in this episode. As soon as the R two D two head got stuck on his head, that I was done with him. I was just like, okay, he's going to be useless for this. You know, 
this was one of those stories I looked at and thought, you know, every once in a while a story comes up in, you know, whatever, movies, comics, whatever, and there's some giant threat or supervillain plot or whatever, and I just, I, I see the other side of it and go, where, where's the problem here? And with this one, this is a perfect episode of that, because the way I figure it, yeah, all life on Naboo is going to be exterminated, but that means you're going to get all the Gungans. So, and that's I really not so don't bad. Have, yeah, I yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Honestly, I don't. You know, I I don't think they should try so hard. So, yeah. And wow, we finally meet a female Gungan and she's just as annoying as Jar Jar. So, and of course she's the, like Peppy? Really? Peppy yeah, Peppy Le Pew or Peppy something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it Peppy? Is it like like P E P E like Peppy Le Pew, or is it Peppy like Peppy Alka Seltzer from the old Alka Seltzer days? According to StarWars.com, which I just so happen to have in front of me at the moment, because I I could not remember. Is it like P E P I or something? P E P P I Peppy Bow or Bow? It's B O W is her last name. Peppy Bow, I guess. But yeah, I was just like, ah, you and know. She, and she has that great line: "They still looking for the sick maker." <laughs> the sick maker is that like a sort of like Nabu- like Gungan version of like Mentos, the fresh maker. <laughs> the fresh maker. They still looking for the fresh maker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's so many things that work against you know. I, I, this is my absolute least favorite episode of the series so far. And I say really? so far because I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, I really don't like that. I find very few redeeming qualities in this episode. And, you know, there, you know, you've got Jar Jar. You've got Girl Jar Jar. You've got Threat that I don't really want them to stop. And you've got, you know, the typical James Bond thing of there's this giant ginormous underground lair with all kinds of secret passageways and stuff big enough to fit ships and everything. And I'm thinking, you know, how in the hell did they build all this and nobody knew it was going on? You know, it just doesn't quite add up. Underground. Yeah, I mean, you know, Naboo's not some, you know, backwater planet. I mean, isn't it supposed to be like a major... Trade hub? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, how, how is, you know... They would have to be bringing. Rem- I'm sorry. They even remarked on. They even remarked on the size of the facility. They're like you know, oh my god, this is an incredibly huge lab, right? That you built without us even noticing. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Literally under our noses. <laughs> and then the doctor. You know, I love Michael York. You know, he he's played one of my all-time favorite science fiction characters. He played. And I like Logan. that they made him even look a little like Michael York. You know, they yeah, put some of his features into him. But he's just oh my god! You talk about over the top and not played too broadly. Yeah, it, it just it's laughable. He's completely laughable in that role. Well, the whole yeah 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 yeah. Thing was just ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's what he did. He'd say, "Ja, ja, 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 ja." Ah, we're all gonna die! Ja, 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 ja. And I was just... like, "Oh God, shoot him in the head already!" Well, 
I love. I I'm, see. I liked him because he was over the top. It's like, oh, uh-huh. we got a, a Nazi mad scientist. Okay, this is at least entertaining. It's more entertaining than Jar Jar, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> well, it's comforting to know that even in an alternative universe, the Nazis are still bent on domination. Yes. It, well, this guy's even the fucking weirder Nazi because he's all like, he's all like hot for viruses. He's like some sort of virus, symph- uh, you know. Maybe it's you who wants to do the, you know, the wipe out all the viruses with your virus holocaust or whatever. I don't know where he's coming from, but he sure likes viruses, you know. Your argument was so shit. At least he's better than Jart. Dude, I, I walked into a door the other day and poked myself in the eye, and it was it more was better than getting than kicked Jar-Jar, in the nuts, so. wasn't it? Yeah, but even that would be, you know, if I had a choice, all right, watch a Jar Jar episode or get a swift kick in the balls, choose now. I, I'd have to really think about that for a minute, you know? Well, here's the thing. In this episode, you get both. <laughs> <laughs> I, when, he sh- when, when he started talking, I was just like, oh, God, it's a fucking stereotype Nazi hold up your test tube, you know, mad scientist. So I was, I was like, all right, I'll go with it. You know me, man. I Listen, I was trying to say all sorts of nice things about this episode. You want to hear some of my notes trying to be nice? I love how ships land in Star Wars. <laughs> all right? That's the kind of shit I was having to come up with. <laughs> but I do. I do like how ships land in Star Wars. Yeah. I, I, I really love the shot of Anakin jumping down into the ship at the end through the smoke and everything. That was a beautiful yeah, shot. Yeah, that was cool. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say that, too. The one cool thing was the uh, was the way that Jedi exit ships before they land in Star Wars. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, and I have a line here, and I can't remember. Now I'm so embarrassed. I watched this before I went to bed last night. It was late, late at night. And I have... Uh, who what, Was it... Was it um, was it Amidala who said, I know what's at stake here. All like pissy, like for no reason. I just have like this line here. I know what's at stake here. And underneath it, I have pissy. <laughs> but I don't remember who said it or why I wrote that down. It was now this, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the footage, but not this past Star Wars weekends, but the year before, the one that I attended, um, there was a Star Wars panel with... Uh, uh, James Arnold Taylor that plays Obi-Wan and um, Ashley Eckstein that plays Ahsoka and they acted out a scene but because James Arnold, Arnold Taylor does so many other cartoon voices he was basically like you know let's do this scene with a different voice and he, they acted out a scene and it was a, it was a scene with Ahsoka and Obi-Wan in it, but instead of him doing his Obi-Wan voice, he did it as Fred Flintstone. And the, the scene that they showed was the scene in this one where Obi-Wan comes crashing through the ceiling and he goes, need some help? And then they run down the hallway and they're having like a little conversation before they split off at the fork in the hallway. It was that whole scene. Oh, okay. It was, actually, it was really funny because, man, that dude is really incredible with his voice working. He does a lot of really diverse characters so it was it was pretty cool but that's about all i really have on this one that's about as nice as i'm gonna be about it because i think this episode kind of stinks i gotta be honest with you 
It yeah, it, it really just kind of I mean you know twenty five minutes of content was twenty three minutes too much almost. Yeah, and it was you know even down to the end you know how many times can he toss out vials and have the yeah run to catch yeah. Yeah. They they played that card about what four times, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, we get it, we get it. Yeah. He's gonna catch all with his toes now. Great, cool. How many lights were on those little bombs? Wasn't it only like five or six lights? And we're hearing the, the, the countdown. We're hearing the beep, beep, beep as the things are counting down. Well, there's that one scene where he activates all the bombs, and there's like four million fucking bombs on that wall, and like what, like four a handful of clone, clone troopers, troopers, yeah, and they managed to get them all in time. Yeah. And I was like, come on, you know? I mean, well, how- now we get back to we get back to the whole, you know, clones are are mindless followers because any other soldier would have gone, dude, can we just get the fuck out of here? Yeah. Right. Okay. Time to go. Why do we <laughs> care? Yeah. Exactly. Why do we care? We're gonna blow up the uh, the the evil guy's base. Okay. Let's yep. go. Let's <laughs> nuke it from orbit or something. Yeah. Yeah. Real good idea. Let's get out and nuke it from orbit. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going. What's funny is this is this is this little micro topic here is going to come up a bit in in the next segment when we talk about the comic books because there's a similar situation. In the Marvel comic books coming oh, you're up with, right. with you're bombs. Abs- and- yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. We do have a similar thing going That's on. That's me. I'm the guy who links it all together. You are. Who puts the big picture <laughs> together. You're the links guy. <laughs> the sausage links guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get to see a, a nice robo-lobotomy in this, in this uh, episode. Yeah. That's always nice. Now I'm looking... <laughs> I'm looking at the the credits for this episode, and it says Phil Lamar as Tactical Droid. Now, now Tactical Droid, is that the droid you're talking about that gets the lobotomy at the beginning of it? Yeah, that's who I'm thinking. And Phil Lamar, wasn't he Green Lantern on Justice League? I have no idea. I think he was. His name sounds familiar. It's yeah. On, I, I've seen his name on other things before. Maybe he does work like in The Simpsons or Family Guy or something like that, but I've seen his name. I'm assuming he's a voice actor. Yeah. I'm looking him up real quick because I've got to know, but I'm pretty sure he was Green Lantern. Yeah, it says Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, it's got to be him. Huh, that's pretty surprising. I didn't know that. But yeah, he's done a lot. Yeah, wow, he's Futurama, Static stuff. Shock, yeah. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Cool. I had no idea that there was a Justice League uh, Clone Wars connection there. That's pretty cool. See, there's one oh. other nice thing I can say about this episode. <laughs> From what I can remember, though, I think we've got a little more of this to endure because isn't the yeah. next episode a continuation? Yeah, and we also get the... Uh, you know that that one-off line in episode one about uh, you know the angels of Iago or whatever the hell. Don't they expand on that in the next one? They actually go to that planet and there's some like they they end up discovering the legend behind the angels or some some shit like I, that, isn't, isn't it? I, I, isn't that that? Be- I th- I think this is the one 
where they're flying through the the angels of Iago are like these aren't they those big like gas creatures that they fly through like a whole herd of them or something like that uh, I can't remember how they uh, I, I just remember the next the next episode is the one that when we did when we went to Dragon Con that one year that the little kids were asking us about Right at the, clo- at the Clone Wars, right, yeah. where they were just like, "How come the clones didn't die as fast as you know the the I don't know what the hell those tick creatures are called on Naboo." But those yeah, things are the, those things are wimps, man. They take one little sip and they're just like keel right over. Yeah, instantaneously. Man. I thought I thought cow like creatures had nice strong stomachs for, so they could eat any damn thing in the world, but they were yeah. I also thought oh, it took some time for a virus to get into your system and like reproduce and wreak havoc and do whatever it had to do to I didn't know a virus was like poison. You know. So yeah, it was that was one fast acting virus. <laughs> the next episode says that the blue shadow virus infects Ahsoka, Padme, Rex, Anakin, and Obi Wan. Yeah. They travel to Io to find the antidote. You'll notice it didn't infect uh, Jar Jar because nobody would give a shit about trying to find a cure for that. Well, right. You know, let's let him die and see how long it's going to take for the rest of us. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you'd, like think, you'd think Gungans would be like frogs. They would be like the canary in the coal mines because they have that sort of lizard, that amphibian skin, which is super permeable. So, you know, yeah, they should, they, I mean, he should be so he should be soaking that virus in from the air, you know. Bastard. I don't, I, you see, I don't know why I have to be an apologist just because I don't hate Jar Jar. I hate him at certain times. I wouldn't want to hang around him. But he has served his purpose now and then. Which is what? <clears throat> that one that I love that one episode where they thought he was a Jedi and his tomfoolery actually worked to his his advantage. That one's not bad, but I think that that's a good episode in spite of Jar Jar, not because of Jar Jar. Well, I think it's a I think that was where they finally used Jar Jar for his intended and correct purpose as a buffoon. And like in episode 1, we just didn't need a buffoon in there because we had Jake Lloyd already, you know. Right. So I just think that any episode with Jar Jar in it, Jar Jar is, you know, He's kind of like the long, stringy black hair in your low mane. And his vo- his voice was a little uh, his voice was a little uh, hoarse in this one. It seemed like it was a little husky and hoarse. Well, you know, I mean, he's a stoner. You know it. I mean, oh yeah, got, he's got, he's he totally got really stank weed, and it kind of gave him you know gave him a little bit of a hoarse throat. I, I I like to think that he's got like fungus grow, fungus spores that you know I mean because it's space they 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 don't just smoke pot they have some sort of space drug that they do you know some sort <laughs> of living symbiotic spore because they're just yeah. <laughs> so is, is is smoke out time on Naboo still four twenty? Or is, or is there, like, another time on Nebu that's the universal time? We don't even know how they tell time. It's probably... True. In space, you don't say you don't say days or anything or hours. You have cycles. Ah, so okay. Yeah. Everybody always has some sort of cycle. 
So, yeah, so it's probably cycle point five or something is like, dude, cycle point five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. I think that's a good takeout. We're really, the- yeah, we're really just stretching. <laughs> Stretching, yeah. stretching hard for this episode. Well, I'm glad we were all on the same wavelength, though, that this episode kind of sucks because I, I was afraid I was going to be the, the wet blanket for this one. I just don't like this episode. I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't either. I never think of you as a wet blanket, more as just kind of a, like, ornery prick. So, okay, I can live with that. Yeah. I, I think ex- that's I our cutting ex- out point. <laughs> <laughs> From Kenner's Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back collection, Twin Pod Cloud Car. Bespin Guard, who is she? I'm Princess Leia. I'm being followed, Lando. Quick, get in. Lando Calrissian and other action figures each sold separately. You can open and close both cockpits and push the landing gear up. Don't worry, they'll never catch you now. Twin Pod Cloud Car from Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately from Kenner. Welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 25. Now, before we get to the Marvel Comics segment, it occurs to me that I have been running my mouth, what, like 20 minutes or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) You need to step up, sir. And you know what I got to thinking? I was like, well, what could he do? You know, it's like, well, we already cover the comics. We already cover the episodes. But, you know, I know that you are a fan of, like, you know, questionable media things like that. Yes. I know that you're a big fan of just like watching wacky shit on the internet and stuff like that. Aren't there like 20 billion like cheesy ass Star Wars fan films yes. and stuff like yes, that out there? Yes, there are. And you know, I've I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking of like doing some sort of fan film roundup because it's really funny that you mentioned that because it doesn't have to do with Star Wars, but it has to do with fan films. I was riding down the street Sunday, past this theater. We have a double feature, a $5 double feature theater. Old school, you know, old school, you know, one screen theater. Uh And uh, so it has its Sunday matinees, but it's like special Sunday event. And I'm I'm probably going to get it wrong. Uh, it was Indiana Jones and the Treasure of the Appalachie <laughs> okay. playing Sunday at noon. And I had to be somewhere Sunday at noon. I'm like, shit, what the fuck is this, you know? Indiana Jones and the... And I tur- and it's uh, somebody around here made a fan film. Oh, cool. And, the, you know, I mean, they, they went to a lot of effort. And when I started doing a little research on it, I found out there were like five full-length indie fan films that that people have made of varying quality <laughs> and and then i was starting to think between indiana jones and star wars there's a lot of yeah maybe i should start doing a little uh segment on star wars fan films i it's dangerous though because on one hand if they're awful I don't want to be mean to them because 
you know, I'm you don't want I don't want to discourage people even from making bad stuff like that, you know. It's just really neat. But at the same time, there's some of them that are pretty well, it doesn't necessarily awful. have to be that i mean you know i, I mean i don't know how maybe you feel i should about, just do the say, good like, one audio... maybe i should only talk about ones that i like i mean i don't know how you feel about like audiobooks or something like that but uh i think it'd be awesome if we if we could cover more of this uh this eu stuff that i that i'm into you know that i've been slowly working my way through if we could cover more of that together now i know that you know once we get past marvel star wars comics we had talked about getting into um like the dark horse you know definitely continuing the comic segment and just getting into the dark horse material and all that but uh it's so funny because you know if you go way 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 back to what was it like our third episode i think where we talked about Star Wars, you know, we speculated about if there was ever a Star Wars 7. Right. When we talked about the EU. We were really down on the idea. We we're like, oh, the, the books really suck and all that. But now I've, I'm kind of I'm kind of flip-flopped. I've kind of changed my mind about all that. And I'm like, I'm really enjoying what I'm getting into. And I'm kind of wondering if, if you would too, you know, if you read the right ones, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because now that I've kind of you know, worked my way into it. I I feel like I have a pretty good feeling now for which books I'm going to enjoy and which ones I'm not. I, I know now what I want from Star Wars books. You know what I mean? So and it's you're almost also like familiar now, with some of the authors, so you know what to expect from certain right. authors and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. As far as EU goes, I think I'm more interest. I'd be more interested in the comics and the novels personally. Okay. My, you know, my own, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sketchy about, I've always been sketchy about, like, like the, st- the Star Trek book and s- books and stuff like that. Maybe I just got burnt with a lot of the early ones that I read, but it's like, I'm a big fan of, of science fiction and fantasy literature, but a lot uh-huh. of times I just don't, th- when they do stuff, you know, when they do stuff like that. They just I, the the authors they get, you know, you're you're there's there's just a lot of cheese in there, you know what I mean, or or right. just like just sort of like pulp without any depth in it, and and I'm just talking and and I'm talking about my experience back in the '80s with mostly like right. Star Trek books, and then my and then with the the first EU Star Trek novels that came out, those. uh I can't remember the the heir to the empire, you know those those that trilogy. Right. Yeah. I did Timothy not. Timothy Zahn. Zahn. I didn't yeah. like those. Up. I I, read, I, didn't I like started the first book and I got like halfway through it and I was like, it doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. You know, it wasn't. It was. I was slogging through it and I'm like, why am I doing this? You know. Well, let me ask you. I mean, I don't know about you, but I do feel like we have room in the format of this show to add things i mean at the moment all we really have i mean as far as like set things month to month is clone wars when we have time for it and the star wars comics so i definitely feel like there's there's room to add to the format maybe we don't necessarily have to wait till we're done with 
Marvel Star Wars to start working on some of that other, you know, the Dark Horse stuff, the the true EU stuff, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we could do we so could I mean, do some of that. I, you see, I'm more. So like, I, mean, if, I, I see Star Wars as such a visual medium that the books, you know, as big a fan of books as I am, it's you know, I'm I I I'd rather see it in the form of like animation, video, or a comic, you know. Uh-huh. It's such a visual thing to me, so I'd be I'd be more interested in doing stuff like that. Well, I'm going to challenge you then for for next Star Wars Monthly Monday. I'm going to say I'll let you know. I don't I don't care what it you know, find something in that you know in the uh, you know in the Dark Horse. Well, actually, it doesn't even have to be Dark Horse. Find something in other Star Wars comics that you uh, you want to bring in. And you can either do it, you know, as a separate segment, like I've been doing the books, or if you want to, you know, let the cat out of the bag to me, you know, behind the scenes, and I'll I'll read up on it too, and we can discuss it. And yeah, maybe I'll look. I'll, maybe I'll look through some some uh, fan films too. Cool. That might be. I that. like that. I like that idea. Well, we'll, we'll are we see ready what you to... can get out of me. <laughs> Well, are we ready to jump into uh, to our Cloud City caper here? Yes, I am so looking forward to this. All right, so let's let the uh, let's let the opener roll. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Okay, so this time around we are looking at, first up, Marvel Comics Star Wars number 56 this is the February 1982 issue cover by Walt Simonson. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling I'm going to be saying this a lot about this particular issue, but uh, this is one of my favorites of the entire series. I really like this cover. It shows uh, Lando Calrissian, and he's being decked by Lobot, Lobot swinging a, a Captain Kirk-style two-handed, you know, two-fisted punch and knocking Lando about, and it looks like he's about to knock him off this ledge, and he, he's going to fall down onto uh, the rest of Cloud City, but it's a really great picture. I really, uh, really like the cover on this one. Original cover price, 60 cents. Uh, David Michelini is the writer and also shares a, a plot credit. Walter Simonson on pencils and also shares the uh, plot credit. Tom Palmer on inks. Joe Rosen, letters. Glennis Ween, uh, colors. Louise Jones, editor, and again, shares the plot credit. And then Jim Shooter is listed as favorite son. uh, S-U-N, not S-O-N. I got a kick out of that. Story is entitled Coffin in the Clouds. We open to a gorgeous full-page splash of Lando Calrissian. And he's standing, he's looking all cool. He's standing on a balcony overlooking the ominously quiet and deserted cloud city of Bespin. 
uh, with the Millennium Falcons parked on a landing uh, platform in the background. Now, I'm serious. This is a t-shirt or poster-worthy piece of Star Wars art right here. I would love to have a a t-shirt with this picture. I I think it's great. I love this opening splash. And uh, Lando muses to himself about the fact that it takes hundreds of people to run the anti-gravity gas mining operation. So where is everybody? And a quick check of the computer reveals that the populace had been uh, evacuated to the planet below because of some uh, unknown dire emergency. A shadowy figure catches Lando's eye and he turns just in time to be belted by an obviously malfunctioning Lobot. Uh, and Lobot was uh, Lando's former chief administrative aide. He's the uh, ball-headed cyborg-looking dude that we see in The Empire Strikes Back. So Lando knows that he's outmatched by this enraged cyborg. And uh, Lobot's sputtering to himself something about intruders and danger to the city. So Lando flees with Lobot in hot pursuit. Elsewhere in the city, a bug-like Imperial craft lands and uh, spits out some stormtroopers. And something new that we haven't seen before, bomb squad troopers. And they look a lot like snow troopers, but with like blue hard hats on. They're actually pretty cool looking. And uh, these guys have been called in by Captain Treese, uh, an Imperial captain. And he greets them as they step off the ship. And they promise to locate all of the explosives and disarm them. You all right over there? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so then Treese says... Uh, you know, we can concentrate on finding the Ugnot scum that planted them here. And he's talking about the bombs. So as Treese and the uh, troopers talk, Lando spots them from above as he's uh, continuing his cat and mouse game with Lobot. So Lando realizes that it's the Imperials that are probably this threat that uh, Lobot was going on about earlier. And that in order to get Lobot off of his tail, he's probably got to take these Imperials out. So he opens fire on the stormtroopers and now he's on the run from them and Lobot. So on the planet Arbra, which is the uh, home planet of the Hujibs, a camouflage painted sky speeder, and it's basically it's a snow speeder, but now that they're not on Hoth, they're going to call them sky speeders. It zooms in for a landing at the newly established rebel base, and Princess Leia gets out and orders her ship recharged so she can continue her perimeter scans or whatever it is she's doing. And uh, while the rebel techs, you know, do that, she goes in search of a co-pilot to keep her company. And she's specifically looking for Luke Skywalker and she finds him, but she finds him with another woman. It (laughs) seems that Luke has gotten himself a girlfriend. It's a fellow rebel pilot, Lieutenant Shira Bree. First appearance for Shira Bree in this issue. And she and Luke are off to Bezpin to check in on Lando, who hasn't reported in yet. And we get a really great moment of, you know, between uh, Shira and Princess Leia. I love it. Princess Leia gets a little taste of her own medicine now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She don't like it. She don't like it. Well, she's been kind of ignoring Luke, you know, ever since... uh, the events of uh, of uh, the Empire Strikes Back. So now she, you know, she's feeling like, uh oh, did I miss miss my opportunity here? So back on Cloud City, Lando is running uh, 
from the uh, stormtroopers and he's dodging laser fire and he draws the troopers to the carbon freezing chamber and as Treese and his men begin disarming the first of the bombs Lando actually manages to gain the upper hand and he knocks his uh, pursuers into the pit and carbon freezes them and I was thinking that's actually pretty horrific because you know since they're in armor you know, would they go into suspended animation or, you know, would they suffocate or, you know, what's the deal there? I'm kind of thinking that it would actually kill them. I got the impression that they died horribly. There was some preparation. (laughs) There was some preparation to keep Han Solo alive. He just dumped him in and, and yeah. Right. (laughs) So the, uh, the bomb team. Searing agony. Yeah. Searing pain. So the bomb team continues their work. Um, but the Ugnaughts, you know, they're crafty little bastards. And, uh, you know, the, the procedures that the bomb troopers follow don't neutralize the explosives. They actually uh, arm them and detonate them. So Cloud City, you know, there's this great couple of panels where the city actually rocks from this massive explosion. And then and Lando notes that the whole city is actually listing because of the escaping uh, Tabana gas. And uh, Lando starts to go into action, but he finds his way blocked by Lobot. Lobot's finally caught up to him. So Lando, again, you know, he runs away and uh, suddenly finds himself at uh, the blast point of where the explosion went off. And Treese is the sole survivor of the Imperial team and he and Lando, after a little bit of, uh, of a standoff, they become reluctant partners in order to work together to try to save the city. So a short while later, uh, Lando finds Lobot again and taunts him into giving chase. So Lando leads Lobot to this special spot that he and Treese had arranged earlier. And uh, Treese snags Lobot with a mechanical lo- uh, loading claw. But Lobot, you know, because he's a cyborg and he's got all this enhanced strength and everything, he starts to tear his way free. So Lando just removes a portion of that headband thingy that controls him and it immobilizes Lobot. So soon uh, Lando has repaired the damage and Lobot, he's you know back to his old self and he's fully functional again. And they have Lobot use his cybernetic link to the city's computers to remotely deactivate all the rest of the hidden bombs, and the threat is ended. But with the threat ended, the uneasy truce between Treese and Lando is also ended. So as they stand talking at a railing near the city's edge, Treese announces that the armistice is over, and he kicks Calrissian over the side where, on the final page... A beautiful full-page splash. We see Lando Calrissian plummeting to his death to the planet far, far below. And that, <laughs> and that's boot to the, the head. Exciting cliffhanger for this one. And uh, it's more of a cliff flinger, cliff faller. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm dying to know because you said before we got started that this is actually your first time reading this story. Yeah, I, I it was interesting to find out that Lobot's really Spock. <laughs> Basically, he's you know he's just like logical robot guy, right? It's um, I liked it a lot. I think Simonson's art's really resembling 
um, Al Williamson a mm-hmm. lot in these in these early issues that he does, especially that first panel that you were talking about of Lando. Um, Lando himself looks like he was drawn by Al Williamson. You're right. The one with him la- leaning against the the very first the the one yeah. you said that was T-shirt or poster worthy. I love that that pose. Right, God, that's great. Such a good looking picture. I like it. There's there's what I like about it is you get to uh, see see more about what Cloud City was all about and how it ran and how it stays up and what mm-hmm. would happen if part of it blew out and stuff like that. And what happened to it after he was gone? And you know, I mean, Lobot as a character—he's no. There was nothing to it, you know. All you saw was him, you know, mumble a few words here and there. In Empire, so you really don't know much. So you get to view a little more of Lobot, not as much in this one as in the coming up one, but you get to know Lobot a little bit, and you get to learn a little bit that about the. What goes on with the Ugnats? Mm-hmm. Um, I could have done without the uh, carbon freezing chamber. You know, yeah. the, the whole like, okay, let's go revisit some familiar places, you know. I mean, right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Cloud City's a big place. We don't have to end up in the carbon freezing chamber again. <laughs> the, you know, but you'd think. Lando would be heading for like his secret I I would think he has a secret office or hideout somewhere on there you know where that he kept just in case I would if I were Lando right especially being a a, you know a rapscallion like his reputation you'd think he would have like some place where he could go and have a bunch of uh, guns holed up or whatever but uh (laughs) And I liked I liked seeing uh, Princess Leia get a little a uh, little of her own medicine. Uh, it was kind of weird how uh, Shira Bryce. It's weird because I know you know what goes on, what happens with her character in the future. So her so I know her character, but she just sort of appears here, and all of a sudden yep. she's like hanging out with Luke. Hi, Luke, and they're like walking around together and stuff. So that's a little weird, you know. That's a little abrupt. Yeah, I didn't remember her just kind of popping in and being formed out of whole cloth like she is but she is i she mean is. it's weird She's you just know like luke's buddy you know yeah. i I, li- I like that though i mean you know michelini didn't waste any time with easing the character in it's just like nope. boom she's here and she's luke's girlfriend you yeah. know that's pretty cool well like i said these are like the modern star wars comics these are where they started feeling not as much like throwbacks to you know the the pulpy stuff as to being their own sort of thing right and this story really shows it too it's it's not as goofy although it as we see in the next one it, it will get a little goofier yeah yeah you're right uh, of of the two i mean this is a two part story and of the two um this is definitely, I think, the the better of the two, the more the more straightforward. And yeah, I I really don't think that this one has any goofy elements to it. You know, I, I guess maybe the talking bomb sequence is a little bit on the silly side, but it, I still I thought it was a clever idea. That I like the talking bomb. Yeah. And at first, I thought the talking bomb was going to be Lando. I thought Lando was like oh. tricking him <laughs> somehow, and like he was the one talking, and then 
you see him in the carbon freezing chamber and it's like, oh, no, it is a really a talking bomb. It's sort of a throwback to uh, if you've ever seen Dark Star. No. John Carpenter's first movie has a has a bomb that's sort of like Marvin the Paranoia Android. It's depressed, you know, <laughs> but it's a bomb that they use to blow up planets and it's sitting on the ship just like, why do I even, you know, why do I even care? And they have to, you know, keep this bomb happy. <laughs> but I will say this. I don't know if the Empire would necessarily trust the ta- should trust the talking bomb as much as they, they did in this. <laughs> and it's just like when they repair Lobot in this, too. And they're like, all right, let's see if he works, you know. He's, right. I would have had him chained down to that fucking table, man. <laughs> I wouldn't have had him just sitting there, you know. Okay, let's turn him on and see if he attacks us with deadly precision and right and superhuman strength again. You know, I would have had him. I mean, even on the Enterprise, they'd strap down Spot because at least that would still hold him for a few seconds before he could yank it out of the cheap set. That's true. But otherwise, yeah, you know no. I thought it was a really solid episode. Yeah, you're right, because it's obviously a concern because the Imperial says, you know, are, are you sure that that cured him? And Lando's like, well, if it didn't, <laughs> we're going to find out. Very long. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't catch that's that. That's what I thought. I would, I'm like, I, would, I wouldn't have been uh, taking, if he, was, if he was out cold, I wouldn't have been taking that risk. I would have had him duct taped like a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a few notes on this one. Um, and I'm going to mirror your sentiments about the art. The art is absolutely gorgeous in this issue. I really like you know the 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 combination of Walt Simonson and Tom Palmer I think is just that's that's a winning team. Yes. Right? It it's just fantastic. I really really like the art in this one. Um probably the biggest reason that this is one of my absolute favorite issues of this entire series is because it's a tour of Cloud City, you know. Yeah. It, it's it's a running uh, chase movie through Cloud City, and yeah, I agree with you that I, I could have lived without um, the carbon freezing chamber again. But at the same rate, I mean, we only had so many set pieces that we knew of. You know, the carbon freezing chamber probably being arguably the the most prominent one. You know, the only other things there would be is like, you know, the little apartment where where Han and Leia were hanging out. Right. Or, you know, the whole, you know, bowels of the thing where where Luke and Peter had their running fight, you know. Or, yeah, you know, the junk room with the Ugnats. That actually would have worked. You know, Lando could have gone down there and figured out something to take out the stormtroopers, too. That actually might have worked better than the uh, carbon freezing chamber. But I I think it's a I, I think it's a justified bone of contention but i also think it's kind of a for me it's kind of a minor quibble and i i could have lived it unfortunately we will see a, a carbon freezing chamber again not too much further down the road used kind of the same way and that does bug me and then it becomes a matter of okay now it's just popping up too much you know it's being uh-huh. used to me because when they froze han solo they didn't know it was going to work. It was a novel thing. It was right. brand new. But then later on, over the course of the years, it's it become... one of Anakin's crazy ideas. 
Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And yeah, that bo- that bothers me that it becomes kind of a commonplace thing to to freeze people in a in a carbon freezing chamber. It was like, no, this was supposed to be, you know, a novel idea, something that had never been done before. Not not a commonplace way to deal with, you know, you're putting your, you know, enemies on ice or whatever. But like what I say, did, still- what did you think about Lo- Lobot sort of Professor X Kirby esque? mind meld with the uh, with the bombs I thought that was a neat idea the only problem I had with it was that um, yeah your description of, uh, of Professor Xavier yeah that does bug me because I, I think that he should have been plugged in somehow I, I would have been much happier with this story if it had shown like the, you know they plug in like a He's a he's a cyborg. He would have some sort of inner he would have a USB cord. Right. You know? Remember that thing in it was in some episode of Next Gen where they, they plugged data into the ship so he could dream or some shit like that. Uh-huh. That's what they should have done here. You know, Lobot wears that Walkman on the back of his head, so there should have been a port where they just plug something in R two D two style and then he was hooked into the computers and he does all this. That you know, again, it's a minor quibble, but I didn't like him basically using telekinesis to talk to the computers. I, I think he should have been jacked in physically. But right. it's it's a it's a minor thing. Um there's so much about this that I like that it really does outweigh any any quibbles I have with the story because, you know, again, Cloud City is one of those locales of Star Wars that just fascinates me. It, it's just awesome. It, it's a place I would love that if it were real and I could go and just wander around in it because I'm just I just think it's cool. Um, you know, also another big contributor to this being one of my favorite issues, you know, debut of Shira Bree. Now, granted, she doesn't do a whole lot in this. She's just kind of introduced, but I think it's a great little setup. You know, in, in four panels, we get a nice little, ooh, you know, there's something's going on here. You know, this is going to be interesting. You know, just the little tension between her and Princess Leia. I love it. It's a great little introduction to a character that's going to be very important to this series, and I like that. I thought it was interesting, you know, right at the beginning of the issue, I noticed, uh, let's see, I think it's on the second page, yeah, Lando's talking about basically what the city does, which is something we never really got in The Empire Strikes Back. You know, we understood that it was a mining facility, and uh, Han had said something about, you know, Tabana gas. Gas, yeah. But that's about it. That's about all they ever really said. I can't remember if the novel elaborates on it at all. So in this, Lando says the city's main function is mining anti-gravity gas from the planet below. And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, hmm... So, just out of curiosity, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Now, I take Wikipedia with a big old grain of salt, just the right. same way I do with Wikipedia. But it is put together by hardcore Star Wars fans and nerds, so I, I, I give it a little bit more credibility than I would most other wikis. And in the the uh, wiki, Wikipedia page all about Tabana Gas... Anti-gravity gas is not one of the uses that is listed. It does list a whole bunch of them, but it doesn't reference that. Um, And it also has a great big thing, which will come into next issue more importantly, with the fact... And this actually was something that that bugged me reading this story for the first time. Well, actually, I'm going to save this for for next issue because it actually plays out more next issue. But it involves the planet Bespin itself. 
Um, my last real big note for this one. Holy shit, what a cliffhanger. I love I that last that last page of him falling is a yeah. beautiful perspective of it really gives you the feeling of tumbling through the air. Yeah. Away from Cloud City. You're seeing the underside of Cloud City. Now maybe it's the way Lando is colored and maybe it's something about the way that this is inked. But I don't know if you remember Bob um McLeod's art on the early issues of New Mutants or not, but uh-huh. this page really looks yeah. to me like like Bob McLeod. It reminds me of Sunspot from New Mutants, just the way Lando looks right there. I, I think you. I think you're right. I think the inking does have a lot to do with that. But it, that is a great perspective shot because we see Lando; he's completely ass over tea kettle, falling to his death. And then Cloud City is already, you know, just just in the space of that one panel, you get a sense of how far he's fallen because he's way down by the little bulb thing at the end of the of the shaft. So I mean, he's really plummeting, and it's I love that. And uh, just on a quick recollection, I can't think of another cliffhanger ending to Marvel Star Wars that left me feeling the way this one did which was oh my god you know i remember reading this as a kid you know and totally buying into oh my god they just killed lando you know how is he gonna you know how is he gonna get out of this it's it's great what a what a fantastic uh ending you know cliffhanger really like that um i noticed in the letters page there was a request for a boba fett story and i thought oh i wish they had done that and i got to thinking well wait do kind of sort of get a Boba Fett sort of story a little bit further down the road. So I'll be excited when we get to that. And then almost all of the letters page, it's, it's actually two pages this time around. Almost all of it is taken up with very high praise for issue 50, which uh, was that, what was it called? Crimson, Crimson, Crimson Forever. Forever. Yeah, that we covered with Shag. So yeah, yeah that one was- person's like George Lucas should make this into a movie. Yeah, <laughs> they always say that though. Yeah. they said that about that Princess Leia story with the Cody son child and <laughs> oh, stuff like God, that. Oh God, yes, yes. But no, in this case, actually, Crimson Forever wouldn't have made a bad uh, a bad movie. Oh, just as a little aside, May um, Yi sent a neat link to uh, an article by that writer who wrote that. Yeah. Story. Telling the whole story of how he originally wrote Cody's son child, and it was based on his son, and That's how right. they, they changed the whole theme of his story. And since it was, you know, dedicated to his son, he wouldn't put his name on it. But it turned out to be sort of a non-scandal because it didn't sound like anybody got really pissed off about it. it sounds like he All wasn't right. happy about it with Lucasfilm. <clears throat> but it doesn't sound like he got in a really big it doesn't sound like there was any bad blood with him and Mar I mean he said he's still working for Marvel right now so right you know so but that but that was interesting and the the British comic was his original story got printed with his original story oh really or with his original ending yeah huh so they had that. They had that there. There was a reprint of that the the page and the different dialogue, which was completely different. You know, I mean, you know, remember how we were just laughing at that one frame of the crying Lando? 
Yeah. It's, that's the dialogue that got changed. That's why it was so goofy, because it made no sense. Right. You know, and I think in this one, it was like, Lando's like, you don't understand. He did it for us. He did it for us. <laughs> <laughs> I had a puppy on that station. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did see he he sent me uh, the the link to that, and I I only got a chance to just skim it so far, but I had had been intending to read the whole thing. It's a good so, article. It's a it's a yeah. fun article to read. It's always fun to read something written by the you know people who originally worked on Star Wars, even if it was someone who just you know wrote one story. Now he those... admits he wasn't really into Star Wars, and he liked the movie, but he didn't really. You know, he wasn't really big into it. And you can tell <laughs> from the yeah. story. Yeah, I thought that was definitely one of the weaker the weaker issues to be I, to be kind. Yes, yes. Now it'd be interesting that, you know, there's that Star Wars omnibus series that's coming out right now, the uh I think it's called A Long Time Ago. And they're up to the second volume right now, which which carries them through oh, the Empire the Strikes Back. Marvel ver- they'll do the cut. The well, but they're supposed to be putting in all this bonus content, oh. and rumor is that some of the bonus content is going to be some of the, um, you know, the overseas material. You know, the 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 British stuff. The, the British stuff. stuff. Yeah, the UK yeah. stuff. So I'll be curious if somehow they manage to work in both versions or something like I mean, maybe like as a bonus feature at the back of the book or something like right. that but but supposedly from everything I've read that that long time ago thing is not simply going to be a reprint of Marvel Star Wars as we've gotten before but it's going to be Marvel Star Wars plus and it will have all the stories because you know if you look at like uh, you know those couple of uh, little pocket book size Star Wars books you know, that are the black and white reprints of some of that UK stuff. I mean, it, it doesn't feel foreign, if you know what I mean. It doesn't feel like an overseas kind. Con- it feels like one of these issues, you know, from yeah. that same time period written it's by... the same uh, crews. Yeah, it's the same crew and everything. So there's no reason why that stuff shouldn't be incorporated in because it's not like it feels weird. Right. You know, now, some of it did. You know, like the, the Alan Moore stuff definitely feels very weird. It doesn't feel Star Warsy, but, you know... But anyway, I'm I'm hoping all of that stuff does truly wind up in there, and that it's not just a rumor to try to get us to to buy you know all this stuff for the umpteenth time, you know. But uh, are we ready to move on to? Yeah, I'm ready to do mine. Yeah, go now ahead, going man. Issue number fifty-seven, which is March nineteen eighty-two, the exact same same uh, cast of characters are responsible for this. Uh, the the cover isn't signed, but it's obviously Simonson Palmer cover, <coughs> which is a really sort of simple cover at first of Luke and and uh, Shira f- fending off stormtroopers on Cloud City while a group of what you can't tell from the cover, but we find out are Ugnats filming <laughs> from above. Doesn't look like that great of a cover, really. You know, layout like, but the more I I was looking at it, the more I was digging it. Mm-hmm. A Luke's blasting this one stormtrooper's leg right off. It looks like <laughs> it, it's just like getting blasted right off. There's another stormtrooper laying on the ground with a hole right in his head. 
But what I really liked are the Stormtroopers' blasters, which I yes. swear to God that they pro- that Walt Simonson had, he must have had one of the, Ke- either Kenner Mattel, one of the Mattel, Kenner. the Kenner, Kenner guns. Because yeah. I had that Stormtrooper gun. Me too. And it looked exactly like that, right down to the, on the back of it, the little clip on it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 exact. So I'll bet you he had one of those Kenner guns, and those are two just like referenced right from the Kenner guns. I loved it. So you know, same cover price, sixty cents. Um. Um, yeah, same same art and and writing editing crew is is the last one. So uh, after uh, Treese chucks Lando off uh, Cloud City. Lobot makes a logical decision that Treese is a bigger threat to Cloud City and that Lando is probably the best person to defeat him. So he grabs a jetpack and leaps to Lando's um, rescue. And so he catches up with Lando and and the jetpack sort of slows their fall just enough that they fall into this sort of like balloon ship that hovers over the ground that's piloted piloted by get this an ugnot news crew uh tv crew they have like film cameras <laughs> so um you know the ugnots are not too happy the ugnots are not too happy with with lando or anybody coming from cloud city so but um lando helps them fend off some imperials that 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 come after him and they decide they're not going to kill him on the spot they're going to take him back to their king and let him decide to uh to kill him. So meanwhile, Luke and Shira have arrived on Cloud City looking for Lando and uh they're basically attacked and, and held at bay by just a huge amount of of uh Imperial stormtroopers. So Lando goes to visit the Ugnot King and and uh you know, the Ugnot King tells him that as soon as Lando is gone, the Imperials moved in and basically enslaved the Ugnot. So Lando once again gets a little tear in his eye and said, "They did it for us." And he said, basically, says, "Okay, I'm on your side now. You've just you've just made a friend, and you know we're gonna take care of the Imperials." So, uh, basically, Lando and the and the Ugnats, like I don't know if they put extra gas in their balloons, but they 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 go up to uh, Cloud City in the balloon. And uh, L- Lando just basically announces to the Imperials that he's got Lobot with him, and and if they don't, you know, get the fuck off my yard, then uh, <laughs> then he's gonna have Lobot, you know, use his secret psychic Lobot powers to activate all the bl- bombs and just blow the shit out of the place. So, in in an awesome stroke of logic that you rarely see. In in a comic, uh, the the Imperials remedy this situation by just shooting Lobot in the head. I love that. Um, but they don't factor in that and that Luke is there. And Luke says, you know, Luke floats a couple uh, a film camera up in the air to show them that he's got psychic powers and uh, says, you know, hey, you know, he's not the only person who can do it. I could blow up this ship too, or you know, blow up Cloud City too. And they're just like, whatever, he's bluffing. And then all of a sudden, Luke concentrates and boom, all the bombs go off and Cloud City starts to drop. And so there go the Imperials. They they get out of there like rats out of an aqueduct. And uh, 
And come to find out, Luke, being the sneaky little rebel that he, Jedi and wannabe that he is, didn't really blow up the bombs. He just blew up the primer caps and the bombs, and which made you know Cloud City drop a little bit. But Cloud City also has like all these automatic repair bots. So he basically, so the Imperials got so scared they just flew away. They didn't bother to turn around and look to see if Cloud City, uh, you know. I would want to see Cloud City crash into the planet. That would be pretty good, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what the news crew was there for. Right. And so Cloud City saved. I, I'm assuming that Lando pretty much leaves Lobot in charge of it. And, um, you know, the the Imperial General gets away, but... Um, not really because they've forwarded all his, he's been, you know, grafting money the whole time he was there and they forward all the records of his graft to Darth Vader to, you know, to make sure that, that he will know, which will make this guy, you know, basically, you know, fodder for the, the Vader <laughs> neck crunch. So that's basically 57. I got some more, I've got some issues with this one. Oh, Okay. Uh, that that of things that don't make sense. A, the Ugnot news crew is there to film Cloud City crashing. They're directly underneath it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody said they were smart, right? It's just like it's like oh the Hindenburg. It's like who did you did you see any cameramen running towards the Hindenburg? Come on, <laughs> that was just stupid. And they were the ones that were blowing it up. And, uh, and 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 which makes him Ugnot terrorists, which makes Lando and Ugnot and Luke Ugnot terrorist sympathizers. But um, that uh, and 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 really, Ugnots have S- Scottish accents. Yeah, I what's had up a, with a, that? Yeah, I had a note on that too that I didn't. I never much cared for the Scottish Ugnots, you know, because. I, the note that I, I started to write, and then I thought, well, maybe this is going too far. But I, I started to write that I had the impression, or I never got the impression. <laughs> How did you from, go too far talking about Ugnats? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't get the impression from Empire that they could speak English or that they were terribly sophisticated. But then I got to thinking, well, you know, they are the worker force that it shows. You know, they are working like the carbon freezing chamber and the, right. the junk room. and all. So they're not mindless animals or anything you know right right so they have some level of technology and sophistication so i guess it's not a stretch that they have a language and all that I mean, they might not necessarily be speaking english or basic or whatever they call it in the star wars universe but at the same rate the scottish accent thing was a little much well i know? think they say that they're speaking ugnot and that he just understands ugnot but oh, okay but- then why does uh, why why when you see it translated into English it comes out as some sort of Irish brogue you know right it's it, it, to the point of where they're saying laddie and stuff laddie like that. yeah yeah I would have rather have seen it honestly with a whole bunch of a whole bunch of like snorts and and wee and stuff like that rather than the you know the yeah. affected you know diet you know the the broke or whatever yeah i mean the I whole the whole thing of the news crew i don't get why they were in there i i don't see what element he was think they don't really add anything to it other than i guess quote unquote comedy relief 
But I, mean, I using... saw it as purely a mechanism to get Lando back up to Cloud but why, City. Yeah, but why a film? Why did it have to be a TV news crew? You know, <laughs> why a TV news crew? Why couldn't it have been? A, why couldn't it have just been a band of uh, not freedom fighters or something? You know what I mean? It did. Yeah. Uh, it had to be, and, the, and they're like, you know, and they've got film canisters and stuff, and they're like. Whatever. I don't think you'd be using film in Star Wars. You'd be using space discs or something, you know, or right. uh, recording on a crystal or something. It's Star Wars. Or, you know, uh, on film, there would be, you know, at least call them like holo cameras or something like that, you know? Right. I just thought the whole Ugnat. I didn't mind the whole idea of. I thought, like, the way Bespin was handled, although when they were like, Bespin is a world with liquid gas all over it, and it's like, what, like, is that, that's water, right? Because that's all water is, is liquid gas. <laughs> that's what any liquid is. You know? But whatever, you know. <laughs> that's just science nerdy, nerdiness. But otherwise, you know, once again, the art's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um... I had a, another issue with there's one where they're like you know he's you know he's he's got a mile to to think about it a mile ain't too far no and let me tell you something Cloud City's fucking huge I would say Cloud City's at least a quarter mile wide right right which makes Cloud City from top to bottom over a mile long so it's a mile. To where to the bottom of the you know the 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 extent the bar that extends from the bottom of it really right you know if you start just doing the math of the proportions of it and I when I went when I jumped out of a plane we were like almost fifteen thousand feet in the air so we we're almost three miles in the air mm-hmm. you know I would picture Cloud City being at least that high it's up above the clouds the the layer of clouds so i think they they i think when they were like he's a mile they didn't think that through they should have been like he's got two or three miles to think about it right but uh but still i thought it was i thought i thought the whole i i love that jetpack it's a very buck rogers sort of jetpack um i thought the idea that a floating city would have you know, much like a like a cruise ship or something would have life preservers that you could throw to a man that fell overboard. I thought the idea of these jetpack life preserver things being there in case somebody fell over the side of clouds. I thought that was a great idea. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, when they said that, I was just like, yeah, that's totally logical. You know, right? That completely makes sense. I had thought of that. Yeah, I like that too. And. uh let me see. How old would we have been when this came out? 14, 13, 14 yeah. years old. This is where I, seriously, I'm not I'm not making this up. This is where I got the idea or or, or learned, I guess. Cuz there's this great sequence here. All right, Lobot smashes the emergency glass. He grabs the rocket pack and he's falling towards Lando. And he hollers at him and he, and, and Lobot's going headfirst flat out as fast as he can fall. Pointed he calls down, to right? Lando. Yeah. And he says, and he says, it will be necessary for you to decrease your rate of descent in order for me to catch up to you. And Lando says, like how? I don't skid too well on clouds. 
And he says, no, but you can turn over and extend your limbs greatly, uh, thereby creating greater wind resistance. And that's what Lando does, and it allows him to slow up enough to where well, Lobot that's what parachuters can catch him. do, too. When you yeah. parachute, you, you have your arms and legs spread out. To... But when this did... is where I actually learned that, believe it or not. It wasn't from, like, watching skydivers or, or anything. It was from reading this is where I learned that idea of, oh, yeah, you know, the more you spread your body wide, you know, the slower the your... more resistance you yeah, have. More yeah, more resistance. I, I like that, you know. You know, you know what's really funny is I'm just looking at it now, and thinking this. I didn't notice it before. When they first land on the, on the Ugnot craft, mm-hmm. does it the the art on those two pages totally reminds me of of the Star Trek Sutton Villagran team. Oh no! Uh, no. Well, maybe the coloring does, but no, the I mean, coloring it's and like so those, much uh, better than. Oh, it's better, but there's parts. The way the Ugnats look, their faces and eyes, the yeah, bottom three frames like on the second face, on the second, the way it's inked, I don't know. And and, and it reminds okay, yeah, me, on, on the page before that, it actually reminds me a little bit of uh, Gil Kane's art when he was doing uh, Amethyst, if that hmm. makes any sense. I'll give you that those two pages remind me an awful lot of Marvel's um, Star Trek. You know, like when Palmer was inking some of the artists on that and stuff. You know, because the uh, the Ugnots definitely are like cousins to the Tellarites, so I can see that. You know, the uh, the, the pig guys from Star Trek. I can I can uh, definitely yeah. see that element. But um, one thing I wanted to point out is uh, you, you didn't give the title of the story, which I always liked, which is uh, Hello, Bespin, Goodbye. I always thought that was a great title, you know, that here's Lando falling towards the planet, you know, as fast as possible. So it would be kind yeah. of, a, you know, like the whale in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, I wonder if it will be nice to me. You know, and he smashes into the ground, you know. Uh, stop talking about whales, man. It just makes me <laughs> sad. It just bums me out. <laughs> Oh, what else have I... Oh, all right. Back at that part that we were just at. And you know what? You're right. They are directly under Cloud City because the broken railing smashes into their ship. Well, yeah, that's where Lando so, lands. Yeah, so that's pretty stupid of them to be right. Let's film, <laughs> Clou- uh, never, yeah, let's film Cloud City it. falling down as if Cloud City falling down isn't going to make a huge crater in the ground. I mean... I mean, I'm assuming at the top of that, that's all buildings at the top of cloud. It's just, yeah. Who is that that currently holds the the toy license for for Star Wars? Is that Kenner again? It's a different I'm company sure. now. I can't. Yeah, I'm remember, not sure but, at all. You know, here they are. You know, busily mining every facet of Star Wars for more for more figures, you know, and they're obviously getting desperate at this point because, you know, we've now had Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen and that dude that runs by in in Empire carrying the ice cream machine, you know, shit like that have been figures and, and they're, you know, so they're obviously looking for new toys and stuff like that. And I know one of the things that toy makers always like to do is give kids stuff that they can play with in the bathtub or, you know, in the water. Where is the Imperial Skimmer? This thing is cool looking. Yeah. Isn't that thing great? 
I want a toy of that so bad. It looks well, really cool. Uh, the Imperial Skimmer, and then the the there's there are a, a lot of the Imperial um, crafts that you see in this. Um, the the one that that shows up. It looks like a bug or something. Yeah, that looks like a bug. That reminds yeah. me of Clone Wars big time. It reminds oh, me of a yeah. ship you would see on the new Clone Wars show. Yeah, it's very very nice, very nice. But, you know, very nice. it just it kind of throws me a little bit that you know not not long ago, right before Empire, we were commenting on the fact that they were obviously injecting into the comics some of the new toys that had come out that weren't right. necessarily from the movies but they were putting them in there like the imperial troop transport now you've got it the other way around where they're actually inventing vehicles and they haven't ever appeared anywhere but also i got to thinking empire did the same thing though in the toy line where they started to come out with toys that weren't in the movies remember they they had like a it almost looked like a steamroller. It was just a little tiny vehicle. It's like a single person vehicle. And I can't remember if it was an Imperial craft or a Rebel craft. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. There, there was a series of like three or four little one man, like one figure sized ships. And one looked sort of like a steamroller. One was like a little hover thing or something. I can't, man, I can't remember what they're called. If I can find pictures, I'll, I'll, I'll post it up somewhere. So people can know what I, somebody out there is going to know what I'm talking right. about. But this was when, like, you know, all the major playsets and all the major vehicles from the Empire Strikes Back had come out and were out there. And then they started to like release all the like really, you know, they they were really trying to to get more stuff, you know, get creative and get more things. And they started to create things that we didn't actually see on screen that sort of kind of resembled vehicles from Empire. But, you know, they obviously weren't as, as good sellers because they weren't really in the movies or anything like that. And I can just remember that one. And they all had weird, like, uh, what do you call it? Where they take the first letter. Acronyms. Acronyms. Yeah, they all had weird acronyms, you know, that stood for something, you know. It would be like, you know, the BLG vehicle and then the, you know, the, the letters. The BLT all vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sort of thing. I'm surprised those aren't in here, at least so far. Anyway, and I don't remember them ever coming along either. So it's it's really weird that you know the the the, the fake Kenner toys didn't make it into this era, and then the vehicles that are in here, some of them still haven't become toys. I just think that's that's kind of odd. Odd, uh, yeah. I found a parallel in this. Once again, you remember when we were looking at some of the pre-Empire issues and going, wow, you know, this stuff made it into the movies. I, I found something here that I thought, and I don't know, you, you can judge if you think this is a stretch or not, but the Ugnaught City reminded uh -huh. me an awful lot of uh, Uto Gunga uh -huh. from, uh, from Episode 1, and then King Oz in right. here reminded me a lot of Boss Nass. Yes, yes. Yeah, I thought that was a And then a they just sort of switch to like, what? Enemy? No, friend, you know, sort of right. thing. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Very much so. I loved, uh, really, really, like my favorite part of the issue, because in a minute I'm going to get into some of my issues with the, with the planet stuff, but my 
favorite part, and, and again, the reason I'll give this this issue a big old pass on some of the goofier elements, I love the stuff that happens on Cloud City proper, and uh, when Luke and Shira show up and have a big old laser battle fight with uh, with the stormtroopers, I love that shit. Man, that made the issue for me. You know, just seeing them hunkered down and, and shooting it out with stormtroopers, that's Star Wars for me right there. I love that. There's that great panel where Luke uses the force and activates all the bombs and you see the stormtroopers and it's it's like one of those things they do in movies where they'll they'll spin the camera around the yeah. actor and you see the stormtrooper and he goes, "Hey, what was uh-oh?" and it's like four panels all blo- broken up where they're seeing the they're hearing the bombs go click 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 click. I love that. It's a great you know really nice sequence of events right there that panel of uh, of all the explosions going off is really cool yeah. very nice art in that and then i just i like those three panels where it says with a bang and a whimper cloud city sinks and it shows it you know it's a little bit lower in each panel as the city just starts to descend you know because of the explosions and everything and uh <laughs> i love where luke you know, basically say, hey, no, don't worry, don't worry. It was all just, you know, it was all a trick and, you know, we're not really going to crash. Everybody, you know, we're okay. And uh, Shira looks at Lando and says, you want to hit him? And he looks at her and says, ladies, ladies first. Great. Right. Love that. And then the whole last page is awesome, but particularly the first panel. Yeah. Going Cloud City, you know, everything's hunky-dory and it's all orangey and everything like it was in Empire again. And then the last panel of the two TIE Fighters and the Millennium Falcon zipping away. God, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. I mean, the ships look like the ships should look. You know, it's, you know, despite my love for uh, Infantino's Star Wars, man, he couldn't pull this panel off, you know. But but Simonson and Palmer definitely did. It's just, oh it's beautiful but uh yeah i really you know playing the the cloud city levels of the first uh battlefront game reminded me so much of these issues oh yeah just love the ability to wander through cloud city even if it's fighting stormtroopers and stuff i love being able to explore more of what you just got a glimpse of in the Empire Strikes Back. That's really the the root of why I love these two issues so much. You you finally got to wander around the city a little bit more, and, and see more of it. And uh, well, here here's the big thing though for me. Um, I was looking today because even as a kid, and maybe I got this more from the novel than I did from the movie. But I remember Bespin being described, you know, Cloud City was being described as as a, a city in the clouds that mined the gas of a gas giant. Now, even yeah. as a kid, I understood the concept of a gas giant. A gas giant was like Yavin. You wouldn't want to be on the surface. Right. You know, even though... you know, I mean, that's why they didn't have the rebel base on Yavin, because there, there wasn't a planet there to use it was a big old ball of gas that's why the the base was on the moon of yavin i understand as a kid i understood that concept you know that yavin was like jupiter you know that that there wasn't something in there that they could use i had the same impression about bespin as a kid that wait a minute bespin 
you know, it, it's a big old ball of gas. There, there's not really anything in there. So as right. much as I really like this story, I remember reading this as a kid and going, wow, this really isn't what I thought they would find at the center. You know, I, I expected that Lando would fall to a certain depth and be crushed or something. You like know? gravity or something. Yeah. yeah. So I looked all this up once again on Wikipedia because I was curious what it said in there. And you know what? <laughs> Shout out to our buddy Josh Bertoni because he totally called it a while back when we had him on the show. Remember he was talking about, man, they can retcon anything when it comes to Star Wars. You know, that somebody can always explain this shit away no matter how wacky it might get. And he's absolutely right that one of those, um, was it West Games or whatever, West West something, Westfield Games or West Games or whatever that does all the Star Wars role-playing stuff. Right. Like went to great lengths to explain all of this shit away and make it sort of kind of fit. And from what I was reading today, the way they explained it was that, no, you know, we were right as kids, you know, Bespin is a gas planet, you know, gas giant. That that if there's a, anything in the middle, then it's like a core of metal or something. Um, yeah, molten deep, something. Yeah. yeah, deep in the planet. But that Cloud City basically exists. You know, when you take the planet as a whole, it's basically a very thin layer um, that would support life. You know, to where th- this was a certain layer. And a certain depth inside the planet where cloud city oxygen, yeah, yeah, it was like a pocket where it could exist, and so that's why we never really see like a surface. You know, like when in, in Star Trek when they went to Stratos, you know, from that cloud city they could see the surface of the planet, but that's right. why we don't see one in Empire. Like they never look over the side of Cloud City and show you like a planet down there because there's really not anything down there. So the way they explained away this thing with Lando falling to the Ugnots and all that and, and winding up in this swamp was that it's not really the planet. Is that the same way how Cloud City exists in this layer, like this life, like this biosphere layer, these Ugnots have like their own you know like in like Doctor Strange comics they'll go to yeah. another dimension and there'll be those yeah. like floaty islands yeah where like the villain will build his big old castle on this floating island of landmass. that this is kind of what the Ugnots have they have this like landmass that's basically a swamp in the middle of this gas giant type of thing and you know God only knows what's holding it up I don't know if it's balloons or <laughs> you know, some sort of gas or why I forget yeah. if explain that part of it. But anyway, that that this isn't the true surface of Bezpin, that this is just another layer down inside, you know, the the gases and all. It's a little wacky. Whatever, but, but it like works, that. I guess. Yeah, you know, it explains away some of that inconsistency. I, I do kind of like that idea. It actually does work though, because if you look at that one page, and damn I wish these pages were numbered. Yeah, but the the page where they take Lando, you know, it's basically the "Take Me to Your Leader" sequence of the of the story. They take Lando to the Ugnot City. If you look at that picture, everything is being held up by a balloon. Right. I guess that would explain if this is, you know, this floaty island, swampy landmass thing. 
that I guess they just have a bunch of balloons holding it all up. Again, I mean, it's no sillier than any of the rest of the story. Damn, you know what? I just noticed something. Look at that third panel right there where it says, Where soon? Uh-huh. And then it has to talk and they say, I used to deal with the Ugnaughts, blah, blah, blah. Does that not look like the profile of the yellow submarine right there? It does look like the yellow submarine. It sure does. <laughs> I could have sworn I see the yellow submarine. <laughs> Here, pussy. Here, pussy, pussy. <laughs> I love it. But anyway, I've gone on long. What, what did, so ultimately, what did you think of these two issues? I loved it. Goofiness or not, I loved it. it mm. It's, you know, A, the Simonson art just, you know, it could ride just on the Simonson art at this point. But the story, I, I think the writing and the art have been taken up a notch. And this is some of the goofier of this you know, phase of Star Wars comics, but it's nowhere near the goofiness that has come before it. So I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of them. They're all like I, I've noticed these these ones are faster, just more enjoyable reads. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I sit down I sit down with these ones, and there were some of those there were some of those early um st- you know those. Star Wars ones where sometimes it was a slog to get through. Yeah. But not with the not with these ones. I feel so badly that over the years and until it you know, it took us re examining this, I feel so badly that I couldn't remember who wrote this. You know? Because this material to me deserves to be, you know, the Michelini, Simonson, and Palmer need to be spoken in the same breaths as like you know Claremont and Byrne, or uh huh. You know some of the other yeah. great teams over the years. You know DeFalco friends or whatever. I, I really feel that after re-examining this, because you know, the we we go on and on about the art, but I see so much just in these first couple um, issues of the Michelini run where he brought so much that this title really needed. He brought yep. action. He brought, you know, some new, definitely some new and fantastic characters. Um, you know, he he brought the Star Warsy feel back, but also, you know, something that I think is you you, you can't underestimate is, uh, you know, like that panel that I pointed out where where Shira says, you know, you want to hit him, and Lando says, ladies first. It brought humor in and humor that works within right. Star Wars. You know, that's a hard thing to make work and and he did he brought that to the table and really made it work very naturally you know and, and the character interactions feel very organic and, no, and he very got, he has he matches the feel of the movies you know it's right visually and story wise which sometimes before this it would be visually but not story wise or the other way around or sometimes neither but rarely both but from this point on Star Wars pretty much I mean this stuff this stuff wasn't to the point of where I held it to the level of the movies but it was good enough in between the movies Absolutely. in between Star Wars movies I held, I would hold these comics in higher regard than say books you know, uh, uh, novelizations that would come, you know, that weren't coming out at this point. But if they had been, 
I probably would have taken the comics as more canon, you know, that and the, and and it's like within a few issues of here where I started collecting these again and that's where I was really into it where it was, where I was following it month month by month cuz it felt like Star Wars. Well, I'm just I'm happy to report that today while I was trying to figure out because it, you know Listeners may notice that we've only you know we have we've broken away from doing three issues at a time for the last couple of episodes, but uh, we will get back to that. Um, I believe with next episode we'll be back to doing three. But there there was a reason for that. We wanted to concentrate on some things a little bit more heavily and stuff like that. But I was looking through as I was trying to figure out what our schedule is going to look like in the future, and I was looking at covers. And while some stories I can remember better than others, I, I'm very pleased to report that between where we're at right now and at least until we get to Return of the Jedi, man, I don't think there's a clunker in the bunch. I, I, this is really the time for Marvel Star Wars. I mean, this is when it was just firing on all cylinders. We've got a great storyline coming up. Uh, involving new characters and and some really exciting things. And it just it really felt great, and it felt like it was really ramping up to the events of uh, of Jedi. So I, I'm looking forward to getting back into this stuff. And we get so many new, interesting, and exciting characters. And and this was where the foundation of of the EU was really being built right here. There's so many elements of this era that exist even today in the uh, in the expanded universe. You know, one thing I forgot to mention about the books I talked about earlier, those Michael Reeves books, one of the major characters um, in the second and third book was a Zeltron woman. Now, we haven't talked about Zeltrons in Star Wars yet because they haven't come along, but that's something that They're will be introduced soon, pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. And there you go. Still around in uh, in the Star Wars novel, you know, the EU novels today. So there you go. So definitely looking forward to it. But yeah, I'm glad. I'm really glad you like this. You know, like you say, silliness aside, because I definitely like 56 better than 57. But still, you know, taken as a whole, man, I love I love this story so much. It's really just a lot of fun. Yeah. And <laughs> once again, beautifully. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today.
visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.